Greetings, I'm Karen Colligan, and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership Podcast. I'm the founder of a leadership organization called People Think, where I created the Keep It Real Leadership Program that equips and elevates emerging and advancing leaders. It's all online, and it can be done anywhere, and it can be done at any time. What I know for sure is all leaders lead differently, and that's the beauty of leadership. It's so important to understand what your unique leadership style is. Now that word is worth repeating, unique, because everyone has their own leadership style, which will inform how they're going to help their team and help their organization move forward. Yeah, I gotta be real and you gotta be bold and you gotta drive to take action. Cause let's face it, people look to their leaders for vision. They look to their leaders for coaching and growth opportunities. This is why, as a leader, you want to be crystal clear about your unique leadership style and competencies. The whole purpose of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast is to speak to a variety of leaders who are in different industries with different titles at different levels to better understand their unique way of leading. We're gonna ask each leader the same six questions so we can provide you with a diverse way of looking at leadership. We want you to find those treasures that will help you be the best leader only you can be. So let's get moving and talk to our next leadership guest. In this episode, I am thrilled to be speaking to Matt Marshall, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at SPIF. We're gonna hear all about Matt's approach to leadership. So Matt, welcome, and thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Karen. Good to be here. These conversations are always super fun. Looking forward to this. Great. Good, good, good. So Matt, before we get going, tell us a little bit about who you are and give us a little bit of a snapshot of what SPIF is all about. Sure. Uh, As Karen said, my name is Matt Marshall. Um, I've been in tech basically my whole career. My first job was at a company called Embarcadero Technologies, more years than I care to remember. Was there for about four years. Um, for there, I went to a company called Success Factors. Um, I was there super early. Was there about five years. From then, I went to a company called Citrix. That's where you and I met exactly. many years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, had a great run. Then I went to a little company called Moment Feed. Prior to Spiff, I was at a company called Iterable for four years, and I've been at Spiff for almost a year now, almost nine months. Wow. Funny how time can go. Oh, how does that happen? So tell us a little bit about Spiff, Matt. Yeah, so we are uh, commissions management software. We help companies kind of automate their comp planning, the building of comp plans, you know, making sure that these things are in the salespeople's hands with everything visible with an amazing kind of UI for salespeople that keeps people motivated because their goals and accelerators and all things about making money are kind of right in front of their eyes. So it's, you know, we definitely on the rise. We're, we're having a lot of success and it's, you know, as you know, it's super fun to build a company like this. And that's why yeah. I, I kind of jumped and, and did this thing. And, and, you know, Matt, I've known you, as we said, for a long time, and your favorite thing always is starting something from the ground up. Let's get her going. Let's get her moving. Who can I bring in? How are we going to do it? What's the process like? So it seems like this is the perfect place for you. And as we talked about before we even went online is that it's growing fast and and you're having a grand old time. Having a blast. Yeah. 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 Stressful. 
But as you know me, I like to have fun along the way. <laughs> exactly. Oh, what's a little stress now and then. <laughs> all righty. So thanks for all that. And, and so here's what we're going to do. The first question out of the gate is what I know and what I continue to learn, Matt, is how each person defines leadership is really, really different. And, and you think, no, it can't be. And it is. And, and so tell me and tell us, how do you define leadership? I think I define leadership as you are the beacon that people look for. I I remember like way earlier in my career of the first time I like physically noticed people watching me and listening to me doing everything that a leader does, but it was the first time I actually saw people's physical reactions to either something I said, even a look on my face. I believe that, you know, we are the beacons of life and work that people look to, right? They have to understand what is the vision? How do we get there? And something, you know, you taught me years ago was it all comes down to the why. Everything Mm -hmm. comes down to the why. So being really crystal clear on the why helps people see the beacon and they go, oh, okay, so that's where we're going. Get it. Let's go. I've taken that to heart all these years. Um, do I get it right all the time? No. You know, I always try to remember the why. And, and you know, as, as you know me, my leadership style is I lead with my heart mm-hmm. and empathy. I let people in and I, I try to get to know people on a, on a much more deeper level. As companies get bigger, that becomes harder. You know, I, I really believe in being the beacon. You know, I've been compared to a duck on a pond, you know, on top of the water, <laughs> Totally calm. Check it out. Sunshine. It's amazing. (laughs) And then under the water, you know, like those, my legs are always moving, but I I always try to project calmness as much as I can because in revenue functions, as you're aware, we're all a little fragile, right? We're all, we're all a little crazy. Just a a little bit. (laughs) And so I just believe that if, if the beacon is shaking, then everybody else will shake even harder. Yeah. So I try to like remain as calm and confident as I can um, knowing that people are going to react one way or the other, but I believe in being a beacon as, as much as possible. Yeah. And what's, what's great about that, Matt, is what I always say is stuff runs downhill. And so even when you are not thinking people are observing you, and even in this world that we're currently living in, people can see you, can feel you do know what's going on. And so if you are not remaining calm, and if you are not looking calm and collective, then then that's going to permeate through the rest of the organization. And they will take on that personality without even realizing what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like, uh, I'll tell you a quick story with someone that we know, we mutually know. I was told we were coming towards the end of the quarter. And this person told me like, I don't know what's going on with you, but you got to figure it out. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, your mood can dictate a swing of revenue, like five to 10%. I was like, my mood, like, are you out of your mind? And he just goes, I want you to go home. I want you to talk to people, you know, and I want you to think about this. And I was like, okay. So I go home and I talk to a couple of buddies and I'm like, Hey, like, you know, do you think my mood can like swing revenue? And they're like, well, with a team of your size and people know you well, if you're walking around looking upset, they're thinking one of two things. And they're like, either one, something's going on and Marshall can't figure it out or two, something's going on and there's nothing Marshall can do. And we're all hosed. And I was like, huh? So I went back into the office that day, sat down in front of that person. I said, okay, you might be right. And that person was like, do you want to say that again? I'm like, no, no, I said it and we're good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm good. 
Yeah, that was really my first kind of like like real world like being the beacon of confidence and calmness. Yeah, because I could see people like when I when him and I talked about it, and I walked out of the office, I could see people visibly reacting to me as I was kind of walking through the the cube aisles and everything like that. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. Yeah, it was really really um, educational, but also really. Um, it was kind of a moment in my career where I started to realize, like, as a leader, people are watching and listening mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Even if you think they aren't, they're right there. Yeah, exactly. And and that other thing about the emotional piece. So even when you think you're containing that emotional piece, I mean, that's what oozes out more than anything. Yes, and that's sure. what people glam onto. And at the end of the day, man, all anybody cares about is them. It's like, what about me? What about me? If Marshall, yeah. oh gosh, if something's going on with Marshall. Right. How's it going to impact me? What about me? Right. So we forget that. We forget that as we live in our bubble. Yeah, totally. I mean, especially at a growing fast company, you're running so fast that sometimes you have to like stop for a second and remember, like, what am I actually saying to people without saying it right now? And like, really like think about it. Right. And it goes back to what you said about the why, because a lot of leaders, what I have found out really don't often spend as much time being thoughtful about that why. Once you got that, you nail it. Then you get to really know who you are and and you're going to sway. You're going to go back and forth. You're not always going to be so strong. And at the end of the day, you always can come back. Okay. I got it. Okay. I got it. I got it. This is who I am. It's interesting because I I will purposely put an hour on my calendar every day that is sacred and no one can schedule anything over it. So I can just stop, think for an hour about whatever. And like, it really is helpful for me to just stop for a second and like get my head together and understand like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And like, but more importantly, like, what do I need to get done and how do I get it done with people being calm? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I mean, what a great tool that is in terms of really being able to say that sacred and no one can have it except me exactly. that one hour. I mean, that that's a hard thing to do. It is um, hard. Yeah. yeah, I bet. All right. So I'm curious about values as a leader. And, and you said, you know, this beacon, you're this beacon. Well, you can't be a beacon unless you're really clear and have a lot of clarity around your values. So, so what are your top three as, as a leader, Matt? I think one of them is, I don't think, uh, one of them is, I believe that there are two types of revenue leaders in the world. If you dumb it all down at the most basic level, I think there are ones that lead numbers first and people second. And there are ones that lead people first and numbers second. I am the latter. Part of one of my values is making sure that we're taking care of people and understand kind of what is going on in their lives and, and who they are as people, because to have coaching conversations or conversations about numbers, you know, you just need to understand who the person is. And, you know, it's funny because as orgs that I've led, if they get bigger. That is one of the hard things for me to deal with because I lose touch of that with individual contributors mm-hmm. as we get bigger. You know, my value is making sure people are in a good place, make sure we know kind of what's happening in their life, especially in this life of COVID. Mm-hmm. There are levels of stress that no one knows about that could be going on. Two, I think, you know, being the beacon and understanding the why is super important and making sure that you're communicating to people you know, the why and what's important to them and why it matters. But also, you know, as a company scales, it's also important to the company. And I think like knowing how to 
portray confidence and calmness is just really important, especially at a company that's literally running a million miles an hour. My third value is just being myself and not, you know, trying to kind of pretend to be something, someone that I'm not. Comically, I don't know if you remember this, but like when you and I first met and we started doing our executive coaching, we met with Mr. Monsbach and, and he said, how's it going? And I think I said, my, I, it's going great, but I can't become you. I don't want to become you. And I feel like I'm going to lose my, some of myself in this process. And like, I, I just, I, I've told many people this story. I remember he looked right at me. He was like, well, that's not what I want. Like you, you, you're great because you're you. And like, that was such a moment for me. And I don't even know if you know the power of that moment for me. I've carried it with my, my whole career, but it's really important for me to be myself Yeah, and like be able to just be Matt and I don't have to pretend to be something else. So like where I would go with that long winded answer is one of my values is being authentic. Yeah. It's a big one. It's probably the biggest one. Yeah. And, and, you know, Matt, it's kind of like why I'm doing this podcast series as I've been out and about in my career speaking and being with leaders is that everybody is unique. And when you start trying to take on the personality of your leader or the person sitting next to you, your colleague, the CEO, whomever, you're never going to be successful because how can you get to your why? How can you really put that stake in the ground? And then you will doubt yourself always, always, always like, oh, uh, I don't know. But when you're clear and you're authentic about knowing who you are and not wanting to be anyone else, it makes all the difference in the world. It does. And it just like, I've, I've heard, you know, it, people describe me as the duck on the pond, but also like, you know, I'm, I'm super comfortable in my own skin. And I think that's because I am me and I don't, I don't know how to be anybody else. I don't really want to be anybody else. So I try to be authentic and, but I also try to mentor people and let them know being authentic is not a bad thing. It's actually probably one of the best things you can be because then for people that work with you, they know who you are and they know why you probably are doing some of the things you're doing and to benefit them. If they don't believe that, they also know they can come and talk to you without feeling like, oh my God, I got to talk to CRO. Ah." Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part about that, their expectations are, oh, I I understand what's going on. If maybe one of those days you're running with your head on fire, it'll be like, oh, that's cool. He'll be back to normal tomorrow or in two hours or whatever that time frame is. So it allows people to, you know, kind of give us all a break, if you will, Matt. I mean, we're human. I mean, good Lord. We're just, you know, we are who we are. Yeah. And I think like, you know, being authentic is important because like, you know, as people advance in their careers, like people get scared of titles and like things start to change with that. So I, I really want and try to make people safe and, you know, feeling safe and that you can talk to me. It's totally fine. Yeah. I'm no different. I'm no different than you. Yeah, exactly. Might be, might be a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Young whoopersnapper. <laughs> oh, funny. All righty. So you hit on it a little bit. And, and what we know is, you know, in this time of the world, there's so much transition. I mean, between the global pandemic, the social weakening, the economic implications of both of those. And so it's a complicated time to be a leader. It's a complicated time to be an employee. It's a uh, complicated time to heck be alive. So how do you lead through transition and change? Kind of going back to you know, the authenticity side of things, you know, like I, 
I'm in fairly regular contact with everybody, either one-on-ones or team meetings. And, you know, I'm just like checking in with people and, and seeing how people are doing. And, and yeah, we got to talk about numbers and I talk about deals and all that kind of stuff, but I truly care about what's happening in their lives. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the challenge that this distributed world that we are now in has presented is, you know, one of the things that I've had to learn how to do is, you know, when you're in an office, you know, it's, I would say like my superpower is to be able to connect with people and it's different now, right? Like my, like at SPIF, you know, we're based in Utah since COVID. I've been to the office three times. Mm-hmm. seen people face to face three times. Right. Um, so I've, I've had to learn how to do it non face to face. And what I've realized is like, if you're authentic, it's really no different. Right. I mean, it is different in the dynamics, but as far as like getting to know people over zoom or, or the phone, it's still the same. You're still building relationships and, and getting to know people. And, you know, I think like, you know, some of the, some of the conversations in the last few months that I'm kind of most proud of is just people talking to me about their lives, knowing Mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah, we're all chasing the number and we're all doing these things. But even prior to COVID, I think taking an interest in people's life is super important, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Then they know you care and they, you know, will work harder for themselves but also they'll want to see you be successful. Yeah, exactly. And, and I love that whole idea of, you know, that superpower of, of connecting with people and, and caring about people because Matt, what I'll say is I've been around enough organizations to know that people, I mean, what, what do organizations say? Our greatest asset is our people. And there's a lot, and who believes it? I mean, it's like, no, no, it's not. Well, then why do you treat people that way? And why are you pretending? And so people can see through that in a second. So, you know, the people are not, people are not stupid. Exactly. And, and if you don't care, don't pretend if you care, then that's absolutely amazing. And I agree with you in terms of, um, it goes back to that expectation thing. If they understand who you are and they understand that you actually care about their success, they're going to want to work harder for you and the organization and themselves. I mean, you're in sales, it's competitive. Who is who doesn't want to win? You're all going to want to win. And if you can take all that force and have people winning together, holy moly. I mean, that, that brings it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I had been part of for most of my career at success factors, there, there was a pretty hardcore, no asshole rule when we were growing really fast. And I've kind of carried that with me my whole career. And I just think that, you know, at a company that's growing super fast, like one of those can destroy a whole lot of stuff. And like, I try to keep the kind of family atmosphere for as long as possible. I mean, eventually it starts to shift, but, you know, I think like at a growing company, like you have to have that, even you can build out all the enablement plans you want and all that other stuff. You have to have that groundswell of knowledge, but mm-hmm. also like that family atmosphere that is everybody in sales is interested in themselves winning, obviously, but it's important that they care that the company is winning as well. Yeah. So yeah. I really try to kind of foster that as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. So, um, we know the best leaders are curious and always learning. So what do you do to learn and be curious? 
So I, that's a great question. I have an exec coach uh, that I've had for like four years. And so I spend a lot of time with her. She's helped me kind of navigate a lot of stuff. You know, back in the day, like you were my first exec coach and I learned a ton and like, you know, we're obviously still friends to this day. So I, I will watch webinars and, and different people talking about certain subjects. You know, I, yesterday I tuned into one that was about like enablement in this crazy world we're living in and distributed mm-hmm. world. I will listen to podcasts and gather knowledge that way. I mean, I think the challenge these days is making sure you find the time to be able to do that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I think the world is moving faster than it's ever moved, even though we've all been working from home um, for the last year and a half. But I, I think it's it's hard to like remember to spend, even if it's 15 minutes just listening to something, um, it's hard to remember to do that. It takes effort. Yeah. And Matt, it's true. And, you know, obviously we're on technology all day long. And even after work, when you see something that, oh, that looks interesting. And you think I cannot possibly log, I can't, I can't hear it. I wouldn't be able to see it. I, I just can't. And so I have found that this past year with the boundaries being so great, when am I at work? When am I at yeah. home? Oh my yeah. goodness. My leader just emailed me. It's nine o'clock. What should I do? I have to email him back. Oh my God. I was just, you know, watching TV with, with uh, my partner. Oh my goodness. So, so what's happened is there's such blur in our world yes. that it's hard to take time for us. I would agree. Yeah. To, yeah. to, to do anything. And so that's why I love when you say I take an hour and really it's precious time on my calendar because that's probably the only time you have in 24 hours. That's actually yours. Yeah. And it's interesting, like working from home, like one of the things like, you know, I have an office in our condo, but like at the end of the day, I try to remember to actually shut the door to the room and like Mm -hmm. leave work in this room. So it doesn't kind of invade the rest of the house. Yes, exactly. And so you can't see it. And so it's as if you really, you're done for the day. Yeah. 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 All right. So how do you give your folks development opportunities? Like, well, how do you encourage them, Matt, to, to, to learn new things or turn it off or have that, even having a boundary, I think is such a big learning these days. Yeah. So I I do it fairly indirectly and I, I guess I'll give you some examples. So like if someone goes on vacation and I see them online, I'll call them out. Mm. Like, so for example, last week, our CMO was on vacation and she popped up on Slack and I literally immediately saw her and I was like, you see that palm tree next to your name on Slack? (laughs) Like, you're like a -a whack-a-mole right now. Get out, go have vacation. (laughs) So I, I, but I want people to know, like, it's okay. Like it's actually, it's important to like detach and go away. Oh yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll literally call people out and then, you know, on, on learning as we, you know, start thinking about strategies on how to scale and, and how do we set this thing up going forward, I'll invite AEs into some conversations so they can, A, have their input, but also see how these conversations go and, and how, you, how you work towards a decision and kind of what things go into that. But I mean, I also like, we'll talk to them about being a duck on the pond and, and those things and, and, you know, how important it is for me to remember that. And if you want to be a leader, you know, it, it's, it's funny because every time I've ever promoted an AE to a manager role, at some point 
you know, towards in the interview process, I always tell people like, look, like, I know you want this and I think you're going to be great at it, but I guarantee you within the first 90 days, (laughs) this is what I'm going to say to you. Remember, you wanted this. (laughs) It's just a different level of stress. It's a different level of everything. And, and so I try to prepare people for that as much as I can, but until you do it, you never really know. I think every most AEs view managers, ah, they don't do much. That'll be an easy job. Yeah. And they get into it and they're like, whoa. Whoa, what was I yeah. thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'll try to I'll try to get people like situational stuff to like work through and give me their thoughts. But yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily do it directly. I do mm-hmm. it very indirectly. Okay, great. In terms of, you know, you move from an AE into a, a leadership role and, you, you know, say you have three direct reports, five direct reports, whatever it is, humans are humans and everybody's different. Absolutely. And, you know, you think, oh, everybody's going to think just like me and act just like yeah. me and oh, have expectations no. just like me. Oh, no, that would be not that. at all. <laughs> no, not even close. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, and that's the best learning, at, 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 you know, Absolutely possible. Yeah, exactly. And I I think like, I just like, I've, I've been so blessed with, like I said earlier, with so many mentors. Like I remember like when I, when I was at Embarcadero, I get uh, approached about being in management. My initial reaction was no, I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I agreed to do it. And then um, like a couple months in our, my former like VP of sales there, she went on to another opportunity, but she called me and she was like, Hey, I hear through the grapevine that you're trying to be like the VP of the time. You're trying to be him. Just be yourself. Everybody huh. sees it and they know that like you're not being yourself. Huh. Just know that. Wow. So that was like the first, my first experience with being authentic. And it was literally yeah. like two months into my like, whole management career thing. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, you know, we can only pretend for so long and then it becomes totally. exhausting and I am what I am. Exactly. Yeah. It just shows yeah. up. Eventually the truth of who you are comes out. <laughs> Whether we want it to or not. Whether you want it to or not. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Our last um, question here is. A fun one. Yeah, fun one. So what do you do? What piece of art, culture, music, literature, anything? What, what brings you joy so that you can bring it to work so that you can, you know, be that beacon. Cause if we don't have yeah. joy and oh, life's too short, man, life's yeah. too short. There are a few things. One, uh, I have been known to participate in smoking a cigar every now and then, mm-hmm. although as I've gotten older, I've had to slow that down. Um, <laughs> but you know, like for a long time, that was my hour, just me and my cigar and like, just relaxing Sometimes thinking about nothing, sometimes thinking about life. So that definitely brings me joy. 80s metal still brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> like I said, we are who we are. Totally, totally. And I, I'm authentic. I would never deny that. I do love that stuff. Um, and then, you know, I like for for mind candy, you know, there, I listened to a couple of podcasts um, by Bill Simmons. Called, one's called Rewatchables, and they, they literally like just go back and and review old movies and have a blast. And it's super hilarious. Mm -hmm. So like that stuff is just like, it just lets me escape for a little while. Yeah. Escape is good. Escape Escape is is very good. Well, we got, we got to do it. We got to do it. Good. I love it. And the whole relaxing thing. I mean, just so what if you sit down and you're not thinking about anything, that's the best thing. Like let stuff out. So new things can come in. Otherwise 
you know, we just, we just can't keep up this pace. And my hope is as we continue to learn through this whole pandemic is that people will realize this pace is not sustainable for all of us. And the joy, we really have to have joy so that we can bring it into the work environment. No question about that. Yeah. So what's interesting about that. So when the pandemic first started, I forget who it was, but I had read a blog about probably like, so we all went into lockdown in March. It was probably in like June ish where the premise of this blog post was basically like, I believe that human beings care. I believe that we care about each other. I believe we care about the planet and on, you know, blah, blah, blah. His premise was the challenge is none of us have time to stop and actually care. And he said, like, the one thing like, that I want people to understand, yes, this pandemic's not great, but it's also like the one moment in human history that we can all stop for a minute, mm-hmm. take stock of what's important, and remember that. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, I hope, like, as we come out of this pandemic, whenever that is, like, we all kind of remember that. And, like, I've thought about that, that blog a lot over the mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can already see the world just steamrolling back to where it was and trying to get back to run a million miles an hour. But I do hope that like we as a, as a human race have like stopped for a second and really kind of taken stock of what really is important. Well, it's so funny because now that we can begin, um, you know, giving up our masks a little bit, what yeah. I realized is I've been smiling at people for the past year. They just don't and you, know. They have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Uh, It's so exciting to, to, I'm smiling and somebody's smiling back. Cause at first I was like, why aren't they smiling? I'm like, oh, they can't see me. Oh, they can't see me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I have a mask on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I can only hope. Oh, I can only hope the joy continues. Yes. And and the stopping, you know, people can stop. So with that said, Matt, thank you. Um, so, so much fun to chat. So insightful. I love the whole beacon thing. I, I love the idea how much you care about people you always have. I love the yeah. idea that you're, you know, you are who you are and that's just good enough. And if people don't like it, well, you can move on kind of thing. It's the way I look at that. So uh, yeah. Totally. We're all very grateful for your very wise words, Mr. (laughs) Matthew. So thank you. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate Uh it. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Karen Colligan, and you've been listening to Matt Marshall, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at SPIF. Till the next episode of the Let's Talk Leadership Podcast. Have a good one. And don't forget to keep it real. Music by Poddington Bear and editing by Mary Lee Williams. Talk soon. Bye now.